It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon and welcome to the broadcast. I'm Family Life News anchor Sarah Harnish. Battle over the border, a vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas happened a little after midnight. A House committee passed two resolutions for breaching public trust over securing the border with Mexico. Republicans say Mayorkas has failed to stop a surge of migrants. Here's Texas Republican August Pfluger. Failure to secure the border has been so significant, so catastrophic, so egregious that Congress must now use its power to provide accountability. Democrats call it a sham in an election year, but can it pass the Senate? Here's political analyst Larry Sabato. This is just for show because there is no one, absolutely no one, who believes that the Senate will convict Mayorkas. The vote before the full House will likely be next week. Ready to respond. No timeline, but President Biden says he will order a series of bomb attacks following the Iranian-backed attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. Here's CBS reporter David Martin. Plans call for the U.S. to launch a real bombing campaign. Once it begins, the bombing is likely to continue for days. Presidential candidate Nikki Haley says that's too vague. We don't need to go and hit Iran hard. You need to hit them smart. Take out a couple of the IRGC members making these decisions. Iran doesn't care whether they lose fighters. They'll get more. They don't care if they lose missiles. They'll get more. What they do care about is if they lose their money and if they lose their leadership. Haley says the trouble started when Joe Biden lifted sanctions on Iran after pulling our troops out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Because he fueled Hamas, he fueled Houthis, he fueled Hezbollah, and Iran was the better for it. Meanwhile, there was another strike against the U.S. overnight, the Houthis firing an anti-ship cruise missile toward the Red Sea. It was shot down by a U.S. destroyer. Meanwhile, two of the three soldiers killed in that Jordan attack have been promoted posthumously. The Army announcing Kennedy Sanders and Brianna Moffat have been awarded the rank of sergeant for their honor and bravery. Moffat's parents say prayer cover has come in from around the world. I just want to say... Thank you to everybody that sent us prayer requests. So we just want to say thank Sanders' father, Sean, spoke to Fox News. He said if she had a choice, his daughter would give her life again. She was goal-oriented, and she loved the service. She loved serving our country. And, you know, I just miss her right now. This morning has been tough for me. Sean Sanders was asked if the attack was preventable. The U.S. has sustained 160 drone attacks since the war in Gaza began. He said even though he lost his daughter, he still believes American soldiers are doing a great job. 160 successful avoidance of an imminent incident, that's a great percentage. My daughter, she chose to um, serve her country. That's why I honor her so much and believe she's a hero. Kennedy's mother says as they await her body, they'll spend the time on their knees for the U.S. soldiers that are still in Jordan. Pray for Kennedy's battle buddies who are still there, who are also grieving the loss of Kennedy, Moffitt, and Rivers. 
We just continue to pray for them. Now to Gaza, where intense new fighting has erupted. Israeli forces are flooding tunnels used by Hamas. Israel also sent commandos disguised as doctors and medics to assassinate three Hamas leaders in a hospital. The Palestinian Authority called it a massacre. Israel responded saying those three Hamas leaders were planning a second October 7th style attack from hospital grounds using the medical system as a shield to hide operations. Avi Melamed is a former Israeli intelligence official. He says you cannot protect terror. Hospitals should not be used for that purpose and once they are being used for that purpose they don't have any immunity. Hamas wants thousands of hostages released. Israel says that deal would put prisoners of war, terrorists, back on the streets. We are basically looking at a situation where you have to ask yourself what's the limits? Where do you draw the line? Because the extortion could be potentially endless. In Washington, it's a big day for the five tech titans, the CEOs of social media royalty, Meta, TikTok, Snapchat, X, and Discord, will appear before Congress. Two came willingly, three are in the room from subpoenas. They'll answer this question. What are they doing to protect American children and teenagers? Dick Durbin is the Senate Judiciary Chairman, and he says sexual exploitation through those platforms has created a crisis for our kids. The numbers that come back to us tell us the exploitation of children is growing by leaps and bounds. And what are we doing about it? We're clinging to an old law which basically exempts this industry from liability. The room will be filled with parents holding pictures of their children that have died after being sold fentanyl online, that were trafficked or bullied to death. Sam Chapman lost his son. Today, he says he wants all the CEOs put under pressure. What we're hoping is that there's some very pointed questions about why they're letting so many children die on their platforms, why they're letting so many children be abused on their platforms without changing. Congress also addressing harassment, body image, and mental health. The Fed will make a key interest rate decision today. All eyes are on Chairman Jerome Powell. Every word he says will be so closely monitored for what it means for your interest rates, for your mortgage rates, and we're hoping that those are going to fall later this year. Housing prices have started to come down a bit. It's a green shoot in the economy. And there's a blip in the road of the craze over the Stanley Cup. I got it! This after a bunch of online social media influencers used home test kits to check for lead in the cups. I want to see if these Stanleys have lead in them for myself. They found it. Stanley issued a statement saying there is no lead in their stainless steel cup, but there is a trace amount in the packaging used to seal and sanitize it. Jack Caravanos is an NYU public health commissioner. There really is practically zero risk of you ingesting any of the lead that's in this cup. He says those home test kits aren't as accurate as a lab. Stanley's still a $750 million a year juggernaut. Still to come on the Noon Report, jobs for illegal immigrants. The coolest travel adventure this year in New York and sky poop in Tonawanda and Galentine's Day in PA after a look at weather. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Quiet weather story continues, though a weak front brings a touch of rain and snow tomorrow. No big storms are in sight for now, at least. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10. Thank you, Kevin. Checking the stories, making news where you live across New York and Pennsylvania. Governor Hochul launched a plan on Tuesday to provide temporary jobs for migrants, saying she'd like to open as many as 40,000 positions, including 4,000 entry-level jobs with the state of New York. Jennifer Connor is executive director of Justice for Migrant Families. People who are here are capable 
and ready. But Erie County Republican Chairman Michael Crocker told WGRC it will encourage more illegal behavior. Why aren't having these positions been made available to veterans or underemployed New York citizens? You know, getting the word out that we're going to be providing taxpayer funded positions to these folks is going to make the problem go away. It's going to make it worse. Hochul insists the positions are hard to recruit entry level titles like food service. More than 100,000 migrants have poured into New York State in the past year alone. Also from Hochul, yesterday she expanded the definition of rape. She said it's difficult to prosecute in court. Physical technicalities confuse jurors and humiliate survivors and create a legal gray area that defendants exploit. The new law broadens the terms to include non-consensual contact. It will apply to assaults committed on or after September 1st. The bill also gives the LGBTQ plus community more protections under New York law. The state of Pennsylvania is looking for more corrections officers. The Department of Corrections just lowered the age requirement for trainees from 21 to 18. Over half the states in the nation hire it at under 21. Uh, we're the minority in that, so we wanted to keep up with the change. Captain Dennis Reichert is with the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. Just lowering the age to 18 doesn't mean that we're going to hire every high school kid that comes in and applies at 18 years old. It was just to, to hit a benchmark. I mean, we wanted to bring the best candidates possible to the table. John Eckenrode is president of the Pennsylvania State Corrections Officers Association. He says he hopes teenagers aren't hurt by applying too early. Certainly concerned by the idea of teenagers working in these dangerous jobs. I know that I certainly was not ready, mature enough as an 18-year-old to, to come in and work in a, in a prison setting. The changes come as the state battles low staffing levels. Just last year alone, there were two major prison escapes by Danello Cavalcante in Chester County and Michael Burham in Warren County. Pennsylvania schools can now be reimbursed for dual enroll students. Schools rely on money from the state to run, and the amount of what they get is based on the number of kids enrolled. In the past, if a child was also attending college, they didn't count on the roster for state cash. With this change, it means schools can encourage kids to work work on college and high school at the same time. Here's Bill's sponsor, Jill Cooper. You have young learners becoming young earners quicker. They get into the workforce faster, which you know here in Pennsylvania is a need that we need. The bill passed unanimously by both Republicans and Democrats in the House and Senate. Pennsylvania volunteer fire departments rely on raffles and fundraisers to keep the lights on, but an outdated law is making it difficult to raise cash. Chief Wes Saltz is with the Ashley Borough Fire Department. A lot has changed. A uh, number of volunteers is probably about 25% of what it used to be from when I first started. The demands on the department are a lot different than they used to be. One thing that hasn't changed, an outdated Pennsylvania gaming law that limits the way volunteer fire departments can run their fundraisers. Deputy Chief Tony Ranielli with the Pittston Township Volunteer Fire Department told WNEP this. I've been here since the old days where we used to stand out on the street and hold the boot in the middle of traffic. Current law prohibits fire departments from accepting cashless payments like credit cards or apps like Venmo. It's really hard. It'd be a lot easier if we can put that out there on social media. But a bill introduced in the state house would change that. Being able to run an online raffle with online payments pretty much affords us the opportunity for a sale at any time. You know, someone on their phone scrolling 11 o'clock at night, you know, could purchase a ticket or make a donation. It would also lighten the
the load on volunteers. It takes a lot of pressure off people. You're not asking that person, you know, to go out on a call in the middle of the day and then come home, grab something to eat, and then go out and try and sell tickets or go out and set up for a fundraising event. You're taking the time that you need them to actually be firemen. Making sure those who serve can be ready for the call. National Geographic just released its list of the 20 coolest travel adventures in the United States this year, and they named Niagara Falls number 11 because of the upcoming solar eclipse on April 8th. Beginning at approximately 3.18 p.m. for about three and a half minutes, the sky will darken as the moon crosses between the Earth and the sun, and Niagara Falls is in the path of totality. They called the observation tower a prime viewing area. Hunters Hope and the family of Buffalo Bills quarterback Jim and Jill Kelly just scored a major victory after decades of work. Family Life's Mark Webster has this story. Yeah, the Federal Newborn Screening Advisory Committee voted to add Crabbe leukodystrophy disease to the recommended newborn screening panel. It was its third time up for a vote before that panel of experts and now heads to the Secretary of Health for final approval. Jim and Jill Kelly lost their son Hunter to the disease. He lived until he was eight years old. If found, children can be tested and treated for the disease before it develops, but once they are symptomatic, the survival rate is just two years. Mark Webster, Family Life News. Look up before you go out, or maybe look down. Sky poop has been landing in yards and on homes in North Tonawanda, New York. This reporter sums it up. I do have my umbrella out for this story, just in case something happens. People want answers from the FAA, wondering if it's falling from airplanes. Gwen Eichler got hit three times and posted the whole thing on social media. When I first put it up the first time, everybody went, what? I put it up the second time. And when I put it up the third time, everybody went, you got to be kidding me. The city of Tonawanda sent a wastewater technician out to do testing, and they agreed it's likely from an airplane because of its appearance. And we're a little over two weeks out from Valentine's Day on this last day of January. For women that are feeling lonely, those that have battled separation or divorce or abuse, or just in a season of singleness, a floral shop in Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania, has introduced something to encourage them. Galentine's Day, a day out with their female friends. Just because, you know, you want to get out and hang out with your girlfriends. Monzi's Floral hosts a Galentine's Day class. We have like a little brunch set up and snacks, um, but we also design a floral arrangement that you can keep. And this year we're also featuring a bath soak bar. So after you're done with your flower arrangement, you can create a bath soak. Celebrating friendship and encouraging you to be with others instead of staying inside in Tonkhannock, Pennsylvania. Let's get a check of sports next with Randy Snavely. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Sarah, the streak is now eight wins in a row for the New York Knicks. Last night, it was Dante DiVincenzo who led the Knicks with a game-high 33 points. DiVincenzo knocked down nine three-pointers in the contest. Josh Hart recorded a triple-double with tens across the board. Ten points, ten boards, ten assists. And Jalen Brunson chipped in with 29 points. 118-103 to the final as the Knicks beat the Jazz. The 76ers were on the West Coast to take on Golden State, and the Warriors' Steph Curry made them wish they hadn't come. Curry poured in 37 points, and he had plenty of help. Jonathan Kaminga had 26. Andrew Wiggins scored 23. 
Tobiah Harris led Philadelphia with 26 points. Joel Embiid held to just 14. Elsewhere, the Hawks beat the Lakers 138-122. Boston topped Indiana 129-124. And Toronto was a 118-107 winner over Chicago. There was a big upset in the college ranks as unranked Georgia Tech handed number three North Carolina a 74-73 defeat. For Carolina, it's their first loss in ACC play. They're still in first with a 9-1 record. Another upset saw South Carolina surprise number 5 Tennessee 63-59. On the ice, Dmitry Voronkov scored the only goal of the game in the third period in the Blues battle. The Blue Jackets beat the Blues one to nothing, and the only other contest saw San Jose shut out Seattle two zip. That is a look at sports. Still to come on the Noon Report: Impeachment vote, Nobel Peace Prize nominees, and the science of potholes. Ride along with a highway superintendent. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Follow Your Heart is a slogan popularized by Disney movies, pop psychology, and social media. Ultimately, it's just another version of the oldest lie in the world, that you and I can be our own God. In his new book, Don't Follow Your Heart, Boldly Breaking the Ten Commandments of Self-Worship, how's that for a title? Professor Thaddeus Williams of Biola University has exposed this cult of self that's behind these mantras. Cult of self is, in a sense, the largest religion in the world and promises to elevate its adherence to the place and prerogative of God. In the end, however, like all of our bad ideas about God or ourselves, this is a lie that dehumanizes, leaving us empty, unsatisfied, and isolated. Don't follow your heart is a must-read, especially today, both wise in its analysis and practical in its applications. Today is the last day to receive a copy as our thank you for a gift of any amount to the Colson Center this month. Just visit colsoncenter.org slash January. Professor Thaddeus Williams shared more about the cult of self in a recent conversation with Shane Morris on the Colson Center's Upstream podcast. As he he noted, everyone worships something. For Paul, it's never a question of the theist versus the atheist. For Paul, everybody worships. Everybody's a worshiper. Everybody's on their knees to someone or something, either the creator or the creation. So the key then is right worship. In today's version of the world's oldest idolatry, voices across our culture urge us always to put ourselves first, ultimately in the place of God, and as the supreme object of our devotion, allegiance, and obedience. At one point, Williams even lamented, well, who isn't telling us? to follow our hearts. Still, this is a bad idea, and it has serious consequences. Here's Dr. Williams. Now, when you erase the creator-creature distinction, which has happened in the mainstream culture, that attribute of simplicity, or even we might say impassibility, a lot of the divine attributes, sovereignty, we, we now start attributing to ourselves. And so now if someone denies anything about me, I'm the functional deity in my own universe. If you're denying my self-identity, you have committed the theological equivalent of blasphemy by refusing to acknowledge who I have identified as. And if we see that more clearly, we can reach our neighbors more effectively because we can see where they're actually coming from is the impossible, the burdensome, the soul-crushing perspective that they have to bear the 
burden of the God-sized task of creating and sustaining their own identity. Wouldn't it be more freeing to let God do what God does best, be the sovereign meaning maker, and live an authored life rather than continuing this unsustainable self-authorship? Now, if the follow-your-heart religion is indeed the dominant religion of our cultural moment, as Professor Williams argues, Christians, for the love of God and the love of our neighbors, will need to commit cultural heresy. We will only be able to find our true selves when we are in right relationship with God. We have to reject the death spiral of self-worship. We have to embrace, instead, the abundant life that Christ offers. Please get your copy of Don't Follow Your Heart, Boldly Breaking the Ten Commandments of Self-Worship by Thaddeus Williams. You can get one by making a gift of any amount to the Colson Center by January 31st. Just visit colsoncenter.org slash January. That's colsoncenter.org slash January. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Jared Hayden. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life Regional Weather Forecast. On the midday weather map, we're watching a front coming in from the south and west. No big ticket winter items are foreseen for the next week. Our call for this afternoon, clouds will prevail, but with sunny intervals. High temperatures, upper 30s to the mid 40s. Mainly cloudy tonight, low temps near 30. It'll be cloudy tomorrow and Friday, a couple of rain and snow showers around. High temperatures tomorrow near 40 when we're in the 30s then on Friday. Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report on Family Life, and I'm your host, Sarah Harnish. Here's what's happening this Wednesday afternoon, the 31st of January. While you were sleeping, a House committee voted along party lines to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the guy that secures the border. On that vote, it was 18 ayes and 15 noes. Republicans are angry about his failures at the U.S.-Mexico borderline. There are thousands of illegal migrant crossings every day. Secretary Mayorkas has put his political preferences above following the law. After an all-day hearing that went into the night, the committee approved two articles of impeachment claiming that he willfully failed to follow immigration law. Democrats blasted the vote in an election year. House Republicans are doing everything they can at Donald Trump's direction to sabotage any legislation because you don't want solutions, you just want politics. It sets the stage for a full House vote likely next week. It is unlikely to pass the Senate. President Biden says he's decided on the U.S. response to the attack in Jordan that killed three American soldiers. Here's CBS reporter Ed O'Keefe. Plans call for a strategic bombing campaign that's likely to continue for a number of days striking numerous targets. The Pentagon says there's been three more attacks on U.S. troops since Sunday's strike. We have called on the Iranian proxy groups to stop their attacks. They have not. On Tuesday, President Biden spoke by phone with the families of the three service members killed, including the parents of Kennedy Sanders. Kennedy was full of life. She was a breath of fresh air. The commander-in-chief told them Kennedy was promoted posthumously to the rank of sergeant. She was working towards, you know, getting that promotion. And that was one of the most special moments in this whole encounter coming from the president of the United States. Israel is responding to video from the West Bank showing Israeli special forces infiltrating a hospital and executing three Palestinian men. Israel says the three men were neutralized because they were Islamic militants hiding out in the hospital planning an October 7th style attack. It was a terrorist cell, said Israeli chief of staff Herzi Halevi, that was 
is planning to kill Israeli civilians. Nominations closed today for the Nobel Peace Prize. Peace activists tied to the war in Gaza got several entries. The Illinois Election Board has voted to keep former President Donald Trump on its primary ballot, rejecting an eligibility challenge over his role in the January 6th riot. The decision was bipartisan and unanimous. It comes a week before the U.S. Supreme Court hears arguments on possibly disqualifying Trump from running. President Biden will travel to East Palestine, Ohio next month, about a year after train derailment spilled toxic chemicals into the community. The White House says Biden will meet with residents impacted by the Norfolk Southern train derailment and assess recovery efforts. The derailment last year ignited a days-long fire that released poisonous fumes and forced people to evacuate their homes miles from Pennsylvania. And it's pothole season in New York and Pennsylvania. It's all because of the warm-up cool-down trend and the snow. Significant pothole delamination problems right now. I see it every year right about now. Jamie Dossing is the Clarence Highway superintendent and he gave WBEN a little pothole science. The bigger the potholes, generally the better they will hold cold patches. The shallow ones, the ones where the, the top coat has come off, separated from the binder, that's where it's very difficult to keep cold patch in a shallow hole. A lot of times it just doesn't stay in. He says it'll be a while before you see serious road repair. The unfortunate situation is we are probably six to eight weeks from uh, being able to get hot mix asphalt, which is the true thick war potholes. And uh, we're a ways away from that. You really can't get hot mix asphalt until things warm up. That means late March before any lasting repairs. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. How single people can thrive regardless of their circumstances. In this Family Life interview, you'll hear from Sherry Holloway, the speaker at the recent Family Life Thrive Singles Conference, what this health education professor at Clark Summit University told nearly 100 people a couple of weekends ago, she offers now to our single and married radio listeners. When we talk about being single, what I think is so important is that we understand, just like other situations, no matter if we're single or married or working or not working or have kids or don't have kids, really we do have to be sure that our focus is in the right place. And when we're single, it's super easy for us to really have that focus on ourselves uh, unless we're involved in a group or, or intentionally putting that out there. But I think it's super easy for us to put that on ourselves and our own circumstances. The theme of the four sessions is my hope rest. When we talk about rest, I think we think of a vacation and stop working. That's not what God calls us to do. But my hope really does make a difference where that is centered. See what God says about how or why or in whom my hope can rest and how can I get to that place. Is there a danger, particularly for single folks, that they become overcommitted and don't take care of themselves as well as they might otherwise? There always needs to be that balance and being intentional in what we do and why we do it and how we do it, the amount of time we're spending definitely is going to make a difference as we're being able to minister to others 
because we're allowing God to minister to us in other ways. Maybe it's in my personal time. Maybe it's in the community that I'm in, the topics that we talk about, or the music that I'm listening to, or the books that I'm reading, or whatever it is. But there is that give and take balance we absolutely want to try and maintain. When we look at the Word and we see this whole idea of hope, you know, it's all the way through Scripture, and that is that God is keeping our eyes forward. It's really important that we're very intentional in where our hope rests and where it settles. And too many times, my hope is resting in my circumstances, but that is not at all what God is calling us to two words that really helped me. And that is just this simple sentence, God knows. If I really believe that God is who he says he is, and his relationship with me is all that he says, then that he knows should change my focus. Single people could include anybody from single parents to divorcees, Mm -hmm. widows, young people who have never been married. What do married people need to know on how to be an encouragement and not make a biased presumption about what singleness is like? What you just said is really helpful, and that is to not make the assumption. I think that goes both ways, even sometimes for single people looking at married people. We make some assumptions sometimes, and I've been talking with a married friend of mine, and I said something, and she said, Sherry, is that really what you think married life is? We had a nice conversation there, and so we don't make assumptions for one thing, but probably one of the most practical things I could say to married people as you're going to an event or when there's a an event happening or something in life, when you automatically have someone to go with or to process with, your single friend may not have that. For instance, when you go to a wedding or when you go to a funeral, going to a church event and it's a a big dinner or it's a potluck, little things that I have to do alone Even finding someone to sit with is not always easy. There's no offense there, but you could just, sometimes it's sitting with them in church or inviting them over for a meal with your family, or you're going out to go shopping. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to the store. Want to come? Maybe we could just interact while we're doing normal life. Sherry Holloway giving advice to married folks and the single individuals who are also part of the Family Life family. Sherry speaking to the Thrive Singles Conference presented by Family Life Ministries. I'm Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. You can hear more online anytime at familylife.org slash newspodcasts. Let's get one more check of weather with Kevin Williams. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. On the midday weather map, we're watching a front coming in from the south and west. No big ticket winter items are foreseen for the next week. Our call for this afternoon, clouds will prevail, but with sunny intervals. High temperatures, upper 30s to the mid 40s. Mainly cloudy tonight, low temps near 30. It'll be cloudy tomorrow and Friday, a couple of rain and snow showers around. High temperatures tomorrow near 40 when we're in the 30s then on Friday. 
finally at noon. Well-known love researchers Julie and John Gottman are out with a new book on marriage just ahead of Valentine's Day called Fight Right, How Successful Couples Turn Conflict into Resolution. Julie says insignificant fights are actually something quite significant. What they're really fighting about are their values, sometimes their needs, sometimes their dreams, where they want to be, what they really want to do that'll give their life meaning. The first three minutes of a fight can be the most important and tell everything. Because if you bring up a problem with criticism, what's going to happen? Your partner will shut down, withdraw, get defensive. If you bring up a problem by describing yourself and your own feelings, Mm. your partner's going to be much more open to how to make you feel better. They say a successful way to start a fight is to use these two words, I feel. I'm not describing my partner, I'm describing myself. So I'm really starting more softly. Mm-hmm. And not only am I not describing my partner, but I'm talking about something I need, some way in which my partner can shine for me. It's a great recipe for softened startup. Fight Right is the name of the book, and that is the world that we live in for the 31st of January. I'm Sarah Harnish, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.